Influential podcast dedicated to the profession of pharmacy with over 80,000 listeners worldwide. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, the podcast. PUT is a not-for-profit industry watchdog organization dedicated to exposing the truth about the shady, abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers and how they affect American patients, healthcare providers, and taxpayers. On the PUTcast, we'll talk to pharmacy industry experts, influencers, and patients, always with the goal of bringing the truth, transparency, and solutions to America's prescription drug affordability crisis. How many people, how many people here have ever heard the PUT? The Putt Podcast, the Puttcast. You have Rachel. Okay, good. More people than than not, which is always good. So we, uh, whenever we're planning the the Putt Cast, it's always a panel discussion, and it's always a lot of fun. And I thought it would be fun if we, uh, I guess, socially distanced ourselves and had a discussion that would be like the podcast. A topic that we thought would be interesting today would be to talk about the secrets of effective pharmacy organizations, because it's fun to, you know, bash certain pharmacy organizations and say, oh, they're not good or whatever, you know, like, you know how you, you know how like when you're like not in a good mood, it's easy to do that. But the truth is there's some really, really good effective associations out there. They mobilize their members the members march in unison, they get the job done, and then the rest of us in the country go, wow, that is really phenomenal. How did they do that? So we are very privileged to have members of three associations. So immediately to my left is Danny Martinez from the California Pharmacists Association, a very effective organization. Danny, I'll give you a second to say hello. Hi, Danny Martinez with the California Pharmacists Association. Thank you for being here. Danny's Danny's on two panels. That's how that's how much we like what he does. I don't know what I did to deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then behind me are my other panelists. And although I've never met Miss Deborah Billingsley in person, I am a big big fan of her work. She is the executive director. I think I've got that title right. Is that right, Oliver? Executive director of the Oklahoma Pharmacists Association. Deb, if I could have you say hello to everybody. Hi, Deborah Billingsley, Oklahoma Pharmacist Association. Rockstar. Rockstar. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so much for being here. And then uh, the gentleman that uh, we affectionately refer to as having set the gold standard for uh, pharmacy associations. Many of you know him because we have had him as a guest on our podcast several times, Mr. Randall Johnson, who is the president and CEO of the Louisiana Independent Pharmacies Association, is also with us. Randall, you want to say hi? Hi, folks. Thanks very much for having us. And thanks for the work that you are doing. Uh, I, I regret that because we had some weather events hitting us in Louisiana, I'm having a tough time getting travel plans out to visit with you. But I've enjoyed so much being able to sit at my desk and listen to so much. And uh, in, in case I did anything like uh, uh, comb my hair or, or any of those other matters during the day, uh, please forgive me. <laughs> Yeah, we we know you had a you had a little storm come through there, followed by another little storm coming through there. So we appreciate that you're able to be with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, of course, to to my right is my podcast co-host Scott. Hello. We all know Scott, so there's nothing more for him to say. All right, so so we're gathered here today, folks, to talk about secrets of these associations. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask each of my panelists to just if you would just take a moment for the people here and just tell us a little bit, you know, just like take a minute because we have so much to discuss. Tell us about the level of engagement in your association. So, Danny, let's start with you. Your members, uh, how engaged are they? What, what, what do they do? Talk, talk to us about that. So at CPHA, uh, we represent pharmacists in every single setting. So whether it's independent pharmacy, chain pharmacy, long-term care, compounding, we represent it. Um, our members are very much engaged. We, uh, you know, we send out periodic 
what we call as RX alerts for them to send, you know, letters to their representatives to, you know, encourage them to support or oppose bills. Um, when we need them for stakeholder meetings, as we were just discussing, we tell them, hey, you know, this this person is your representative. We need you to come talk about your experiences. They're very good with that. Some of them are a little apprehensive, but, you know, once we tell them that, hey, you know, politicians are people too, they're just regular folks, uh, then they seem to warm up a little more. Um, and then, you know, because of our proximity to our state capital, we're able to mobilize local pharmacies so that we all, not only do we encourage them to go testify in committees, but we also encourage them to uh, be engaged in the district. So they they help out with health fairs. Politicians love health fairs. So they they go out, they do vaccination drives, they do you know screenings for diabetes and all these other things. Um, and so we constantly engage them on that. And Danny, do you have an independent pharmacy arm or? Yeah, academy? so we, we have groups called SIGs, special interest groups. Um, we have eight of them and independent pharmacy, pharmacy owners is, is one of our SIGs. Um, they're probably my biggest SIG, probably close to 600 some odd members of ours uh, of that SIG. And what SIGs do is that they engage us on uh, or w when there's a bill or, or some sort of regulation out there that, that affects pharmacy, uh, this is my kind of like advisory panel. I go to them with with what's being proposed. They give me feedback on whether they think it's good or not. Um, and I take that feedback and, and um, take that and turn it into advocacy on behalf of CPHA. Uh, Deb, why don't we have you share a little bit next about the Oklahoma Pharmacists Association and, and how engaged are your members and, and what does that look like when they're participating? How, how do they do what they do? So um, in Oklahoma, it's, we mainly have independent pharmacists. We are not, we allow any pharmacists to join, but the majority of our members are independents. And so the rural presentation is very, very heavy in Oklahoma. And um, we typically, we have a huge engagement. It's taken us a little while to get to the level to where we're at. But uh, surprisingly, we use a lot of Facebook <laughs> chat, messenger chat. Um, we're on the phones pretty much every day talking to each other. And uh, everybody is, we've just gotten everybody so engaged now that they know that when the word gets out, that they have to get the word out to everybody else. And so, um, so it's really been um, great just seeing the growth of the uh, engagement just since I've been here. That's that's fantastic. And so you rely on a lot of interpersonal communication and relationships is what it sounds like. I would say probably 100% we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I've been listening and um, I know whenever everybody's talking about testifying at the legislature, and in Oklahoma, it's one of the few states that, that they don't let us come and testify at the committee hearings. So you have to do an awful lot of work behind the scenes. That's great. We're going to talk more about that, too. So so hold that thought. And Scott, don't let me forget that thought about behind the scenes. And by the way, uh, so I tell the panelists whenever we're on the podcast, this is a conversation. They can jump in and talk. I also tell them not to be afraid because Shannon will edit it and make us all sound much more brilliant than we are. So you're about to find out if we're actually as brilliant as we sound on the podcast or if we really are, you know, who we are. Uh, Randall, so let's talk next about you. So you are the Louisiana Independent Pharmacies Association, separate from the Louisiana Pharmacists Association. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about the differences between the two organizations and about your, your member engagement and, and your structure and how you all get your people involved. Well, thanks very much, Monique, for having us. And I will tell you what, I, I've been uh, watching all day and I've resisted the fact to step in and talk because I, I wanted to listen to those folks that were talking. But we've, uh, uh, LIPA was started 20 years ago by independent pharmacists and the Louisiana Pharmacists Association is, is an organization we partner with and an organization that we sponsor. In fact, our association is the largest sponsor of the Louisiana Pharmacists Association. And by becoming a member of LIPA, LIPA pays your dues to the Louisiana Pharmacists Association. Uh, but what we saw happening with the Louisiana Pharmacists Association is 
that's an organization that rotates through its leadership. And it, um, as you look at that leadership, one year it may be a chain pharmacist, one year it may be uh, an education pharmacist, one year it may be an education pharmacist from the next university, one year it's a compounder, the next year it's a hospital pharmacist. So what you had as an issue was those matters that had the particular attention of independence did not rise to the level of the, the pharmacist association focusing on them because they were looking at different issues. And in fact, we also have the Louisiana Pharmacy Congress and we met two days ago. That's health system pharmacists, compounding pharmacists, uh, each of our two universities, Xavier and University of Louisiana Monroe, um, it's a chain pharmacist. Uh, we may have one other uh, on there, but we meet to talk. But some of those issues, especially, uh, they may not have, the chain folks may not have the freedom to talk about the issues about PBMs that we talk about. When we talk about reimbursement, uh, the chain pharmacies, unfortunately, that pharmacists themselves are not really so focused on that reimbursement. When we talk about reimbursement, the hospitals aren't looking at that at all because uh, they are not doing typically the billing for that. Uh, the education pharmacists are not focused on any of these matters of economics because they're talking about the education. So our founders, uh, most of whom are still on our board, were folks that uh, felt, let's do something for independent pharmacists, but we also wanted uh, uh, to make certain that we were in support of all pharmacy activities. So that's why you see our relationship with LPA and LIPA that continues uh, to this day, 20 years later. That's really great. That really, really great, Randall. Thank you. And now I'm just going to put Scott on the spot for a moment. He didn't know I was going to do this. Yep. Uh, when you and I were uh, first beginning to work together, you'd just become president of PUT. Uh, we went together to Virginia Pharmacists Association Day at the legislature, right? Legislative Day, yep. And that, as I recall, there'd been a big snowstorm or something the night before, and there was some concern about there weren't going to be enough participants, but there actually turned out to be just the right number of people. It was quite, quite an effective day. Actually, I think, I think the situation was that they started, they started doing work on the, uh, the, one of the, well, the actual um, building that, that houses most of the offices and such. Whereas typically we would go into the bottom portion of the rotunda, this big open area and set up shop. They had all that cordoned off. And so we couldn't mass flow through there. So we had to do a roaming legislative day where the different groups would go to different um, uh, offices and do the, you know, that oh, portion okay. of it instead of snowstorm cordoned off building potato potato so, okay i almost went with it but i'm pretty sure that wasn't correct <laughs> no no you want to get it correct it's right. posterity you know is at risk here uh so virginia pharmacists association is also a very effective association for engagement and i know christina couldn't be with us because i think they have their association a, meeting this yeah, weekend their board retreats this weekend so but could you share a little bit about just just about the engagement level there and what you see as a member yeah yeah it's it, we kind of started over a few years ago after some scandal um stuff that we won't get into but anyway basically rebuilt the organization from the ground up with a couple bucks in the bank account left over after scandal but um we got lucky. We actually hired a different executive director. Um, and I was on the legislative committee then too, when we were looking for a new one and we thought we made a good pick the first time around and she lasted a month. I don't know if it was just too much, but then that gave us the opportunity to find Christina who's been wonderful. I mean, she's good Lord has put us in such a good position. Um, she is an ex lobbyist for, I think she did like some military contract stuff, but, um, and then Howard with, um, you know, as our lobbyists, I mean, the two of them are like, you know, the best team, like they just function so well together. The amount of work that gets done in outside of the actual legislative session is impressive. Like they, they don't stop because that's done. And that that's something that we've not had in the past, which mm -hmm. is why they've probably been successful. But I know that we grow, our membership has grown because we finally feel like the independent voice is being heard because this is, this is Christina's 
thing. I mean, she, just like anybody else has gone down this rabbit hole, has now found that passion and, you know, that, that, you know, heart for what we're dealing with. And so even though she balances between the academic side and the industry uh, side and the independent side very well, we're at, we're in her heart. So I know that we get a lot of priority. And of course you get somebody like me who's loud and, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go to blows over some things, but the, um, I, I kind of let them do that. I don't run the world, you know, I participate as much as I, as they want me to or, or not want to and um, provide support from us when we can. And then, you know, the, the rest kind of folds the way they fold it. Okay, great. So you're going to be the person that we talk to in addition to the people out here about what, what makes you the individual want to engage. Okay. So now why are we having this conversation? Because I am a very selfish person. I started the Arizona Independent Pharmacy Coalition, uh, and uh, I did that because after years of working with PUT, I, you know, I'm in Arizona, and I wasn't doing anything in Arizona. There, some of it was just not really having the time, but then it really it started to, you know, show up like kind of a, a pain point for me. So I, I thought, oh, I'll start this independent coalition. And the reason that I wanted to do that, and I, and, and there's really no good way to describe this. So I'm just going to describe this with as much respect as I can. The Arizona Pharmacy Association is a, is a strong association, but it's what I would call a conflicted organization. Maricopa County, where I live, is home to the four largest PBM mail order pharmacies. Caremark is all over Phoenix, like a disease. It's several offices. It, you know, employs lots of people. My governor loves them. Uh, it is not a good place to practice pharmacy. And even though it's the sixth largest landmass state, and we have now, you know, in Phoenix gotten to the fifth largest city, we have something like maybe 11 true independent pharmacies accepting insurance in the metro area, maybe 11, maybe 15, I, I never can remember. But in the entirety of the state, there are less than 200 independent pharmacies. So, you know, not a good environment, right? My coalition currently has five pharmacies participating. So on the one hand, woo, that's great, right? Anybody can do this. On the other hand, it's a lot of work. So I want to know how to have an effective association. How do we get engagement? And, and you can hear in the, in the range of panelists, we've got, a, we've got different associations and different sizes and different flavors. So this is a really good opportunity for me. So as we start to have this conversation, I just kind of want to get right into it. And I'd love to get all my panelists' opinions on what is, what's the secret sauce here? How do you get effective engagement? And I, and I, I want to look at this from, there's always like the easy answer, like, oh, we, you know, we, we, we put out great messages and we, you know, draw pictures or we have a cocktail party, which is always, by the way, my solution to that. And I just want to let you know, I am very aware that I am standing between, you know, you all and a good cocktail and me and a Manhattan. So we will move this conversation along. But I'd really like to just know, really, yeah. what does it take to get people engaged? So tell me, Danny, so, what does it take? So well, just very quickly, by background. So I joined CPHA in 2017. Uh, my background prior to that, I worked 10 years in the California State Legislature as a legislative director for four different elected officials. Um, when I came to CPHA, the only thing I knew about pharmacists was CVS Pharmacy. And I, other than that, I had no idea. And, and why CPHA hired me, I have no idea. Hopefully they're not watching this, but I had zero experience. What they saw, and I think what they needed at the time was that they didn't have the, the one person or, 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 or a couple of people actually that knew the process in and out and was able to take that complicated process, that, that you know, thing that you saw on the screen earlier of how a bill becomes a law, that's, that was a simplistic version of what I saw. In California, it is 10 times more uh, uh, complicated. And so when they brought me in and they brought my boss, Michelle, in, between the two of us, we had over 35 years of experience in healthcare advocacy and government. And I should also say that I, so I'm, I'm, I like to refer to myself as trilingual. I speak English fluently, I speak Spanish fluently, and I speak government. Government sounds an awful lot like English. It's not. And so, but that's a thing that a lot of associations really, in my opinion, don't understand. And after having been at CPHA now for four years, I kind of get it. I kind of get why 
there are several associations that are struggling. There's a lot of people in this room who don't, can't, can't or won't speak government because they don't like it, they don't want to have anything to do with it, it's too complicated, but it's a necessary part of advocacy. When you speak government, you know, you know, there's a couple of rules that I personally live by that we live by at CPHA. We don't speak on behalf of our pharmacists' struggles with their business. Because as, as nice, and, and this is not disrespect to any elected that was here or any elected that might be listening, but they don't care about your business. They care about patience. We focus our message on patience. And one of the things that I noticed when I got hired and Michelle got hired, Michelle got hired three months before she was, I was her first hire. Prior to that, our biggest bill was way back in 2013 when we gave provider status to pharmacists in California. That's, that was the last time we had a huge victory. And so, you know, you talk about dull messaging and, and, and stale messaging. That messaging started to change when she and I came on board. Then our CEO at the time, John Roth, left. And, okay, so we started building momentum, but now our CEO is leaving. Well, we hired a new CEO. New CEO happens to be a former uh, elected herself, who is a very good friend of the current Senate president pro tem in California. So all of a sudden, in four and a half years, we've built this thing called credibility. And I will say this repeatedly, and I will swear by this. Credibility, when it comes to advocacy, is worth more than money. I don't care how much money PBMs have. I don't care how much they spend on lobbyists. If you don't have credibility, you're not going to win. And that's demonstrated by this past year of we, what we've had at CPHA. We've had four sponsored bills. Three of them have reached the governor's desk, and the one that didn't got implemented into the budget. On two, our staff is two people who deal with advocacy. We got four items, one of them PBM related, on the governor's desk. That sounds so, like we did in Virginia. Yeah. And, but now here's the other thing I want to say. This is not any, again, not any disrespect to any of say. California is one of four states in this nation that have full-time legislature. And that's another dynamic that perhaps doesn't, you know, get quite the attention it deserves. A lot of states pass PBM. I'm very impressed, by the way, with LIPA. Uh, Randall, if you're listening, very impressed with, with Louisiana. But they meet, what, three months of the year, two months, three months, every other year. California, we're meeting nine months of the year every year. And it's so hard to get legislation passed. You think about it, they introduce roughly 3,000 bills every year, not every session, every year. And roughly 700 get to the governor's desk. And of those 700, there's an average of about 200 that get vetoed and the rest get signed. So you're talking about 500 bills out of 3,000 that become law. And you're talking about a diverse you know, array of topics. It is that hard to get legislation passed. So for us to get four, on, or rather three, I should say, on the governor's desk, again, I go back to credibility. We have built credibility. How do we build credibility? We don't listen, and, and this may sound a little bit uh, uh, against what was just said, but because of the diversity we have in our, in our membership, we listen to all sides. Now, how does that help the independent pharmacies? Well, as I mentioned, we have six, right? So I mentioned that the pharmacy owner SIG, there's about 600 some odd uh, members who are part of that SIG. We also have chain pharmacists. Chain pharmacists, while they don't have the same issues that independents do, they still have issues, right? They're treated like fast food workers, right? They, you need to pump out 300, 400, 500 prescriptions, you know, like that. And, you know, there's very little counseling, if any, so they have these struggles as well. And by the way, they have the same amount of debt that other pharmacists do because they came out of pharmacy school. So we started listening to them and their issues. And we started uh, advocating on those issues. And that brought credibility on that side of our membership. And those people started talking to other chain pharmacists who aren't members of ours, started bringing in more members. When you bring in more members, you bring in more revenue. With more money, we're able to do more things. And so that it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Again, we're four and a half years since I've been there that we've been able to get better at credibility. And then again, with our, with our experience, I have friends in the building in, in the in state capital. I can just call them up and say, yeah, that PBM nonsense that they're talking about raising rates, you know, this is going to raise rates. I just have one simple request for you. Tell them to prove it. 
show you a piece of paper where it says that because of their actions, they drove costs down. And if they, if they show you a piece of paper, I'll tell my boss to drop our bill. That's the deal I'm going to make with you. And to this day, they have never produced a single document that shows that they drive down costs. Instant credibility. So now the offices that don't know what the hell a PBM is, they know, oh, that guy knows because that guy works in that space. Let me ask him. And it's no longer me or Michelle calling them. It's them calling us. Okay, great. So credibility yes. would be a recipe in the secret sauce for because yes, it's story. it's proprietary trade, what CFA is doing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you should probably have had Greg sit over in this chair instead of me, because I mean he had like a staff of 20 people. I don't know how you can afford that unless you got a good membership. Yeah, well, you you know, and you've got 10 layers of regulation, which is I know to be true based yes. on another life I had in environmental. Deb, what is the secret sauce in Oklahoma? What would you say, or what would you add to what uh, Danny has been talking about? Well, I, I guess um, we are uh, quite a bit different, and I'll say that my background was completely different. I've been with OPHA for about six years now, and prior to that, I was regulatory. So when I started, I did not know. Um, I knew what I had heard of the word PBM, but I really didn't know that much about it either. And I was hearing a lot about DIR fees. Um, when we, um, I think we didn't really know what we were doing when we would go to the legislature. And, um, and to be quite honest, I think that we, we knew, uh, we recognized after about two years that we needed a new lobbyist. It's, um, was pretty evident that when I showed up at the Capitol and was questioned as to what I was doing there, um, that 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 we probably needed a new lobbyist. So we did um, we did do an RFP, and that took us a while. But I think that um, that was something that kind of helped get us energized because we had somebody that was actually going to help us get a bill filed. And I also was not from Oklahoma, so I didn't have any relationship with any legislators when I started and didn't know the, the issues well enough. And so I was learning. It was baptism by fire. And so I was learning. And, um, and then the lobbyists that we chose, we uh, really worked hard to develop a plan and figure out what our issues were, what did we want to accomplish that year. And then we decided, you know, the main thing was we had to stick with our plan. And um, throughout the session, uh, that was really our mantra because there are so many um, things that will come up where people will try to uh, get your attention on something else. They'll try to get you to deviate. And we had to keep saying, no, we need to work the plan, work the plan. And so that was really um, what we did um, legislatively wise. And then the other thing we did was, you know, I, when I started, I heard a lot from the pharmacists that they, they were desperate, that they were not going to be able to stay in business. So when we finally got a lobbyist that was, I think, really going to be helpful to us and we really got a good plan together um the next piece of it was we needed those pharmacists to help us and um and so we reached out and we told every single one of them you know you have told us that you are hurting that you can't make it and you know you are going to have to come to the capitol you are going to have to come and when we meet with legislators, if we meet with your legislator, we want you there at the table. And so, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to educate the pharmacist so that they could then feel comfortable speaking with their legislators. And we were always with them and guided them. And, um, and I think we also did, did try to do the focus on the patient. We wanted to make sure that, you know, we weren't just trying to make it look like uh, this was just about pharmacy. It was. It, it is about the patient. Ultimately, it is about the patient. But, you know, it's also about small businesses. And so we really wanted to push in Oklahoma with our legislators that our small businesses were hurting and that we needed help. And um, as far as um, having pretty pictures and stuff, I, I do have to brag on Oliver and I know he's there. Um, <laughs> Yay, Oliver. You know, we did put together, 
um, you know, the state chamber was putting out stuff. And so we did put together a map and we asked every pharmacist to, to contact their local chamber to see if they would get support for our bills. And then um, Oliver put it, put it together for us on a map. And we actually had legislators start calling us and saying, why isn't my town local chamber on the map? And we'd say, well, can you get us in contact with them? And so the map kept growing and growing and we just kept adding to it. Um, so, you know, I think it was just, it's just been a process. And then we've also tried to um, get as many, um, whenever we've done a call to where we need people at the Capitol, I mean, we've just said, this is your business, folks. You've got to come. And they have always come through. They, they just come through for us. That's really great. You can hear, you can hear the, uh, how the relationship building among each other pays off in the work that you were doing there in Oklahoma. And, I, and, and Deb, that's remarkable. I did not know that you were new to Oklahoma when you took over the, the, the quality of the work as it looks to the rest of us in the country is as if you've always been there, you've you know always had these long relationships. It's, it's, it's inspiring, just really inspiring. Thank you. Thanks. All right, and Randall, um, I don't even know where to start asking you. Just tell him and give us his wisdom. <laughs> He's like the guru. Yeah, so, what, so I think everybody wants to know what what is the secret with LIPA? You know, you march in unison. You've got over 300 members out of, I think, 400 independent pharmacies. You might, I don't know, be closing in on a total is state membership. Is there something in the Cajun seasoning? Well, I'll tell you what. I um, Part of it is is looking at people, leaders like Fred Mills that you had T. Fred on this morning. And... Um, he did a wonderful job. I, I certainly, I appreciate the fact that I was mentioned uh, in that conversation, but he has been such an extraordinary pharmacist, extraordinary pharmacy leader. I mean, what he didn't tell you, Fred Mills was uh, executive director of the state board of pharmacy and had suit filed against him by Walgreens because he owned an independent pharmacy. And, um, so it's been it's been a long battle that folk like him have had. Our association is 20 years old. Uh, I have been with the association for uh, 16 years now, and our executive director, our president and CEO, who preceded me, is now our current secretary of state. So it's always good there to to have those good uh, relationships. His name is Kyle Ardwin, and I used to refer to this as Kyle's Association, and then I realized, gosh, I've been here four times as long as him. Um, but the work that our pharmacists have done, when you look at folks like Fred Mills, they're in that community. I was not a pharmacist. Uh, I am not a pharmacist. I did go to what it was at the time, Northeast Louisiana University for my undergrad. And that is where our public college of pharmacy is located. It's now known as the University of Louisiana Monroe. But um, I had a number of buddies in pharmacy school and we all enjoyed um, the appreciation of, uh, of cheap red wine and cheap vodka. Uh, you know, when you, were school, <laughs> when you were in school, we had K&B uh, as uh, one of our first Louisiana-based chains. It actually... Uh, sold to Rite Aid, which gave Rite Aid the foray into the Louisiana market. Um, but, you know, you always knew that when times were tough, you know, you could go to K&B and you could even afford K&B liquor. Um, K&B vodka sold throughout the nation as Taka. They ship it in, they ship it in rail cars. So, you know, if, if you don't have to drink that, don't worry. Uh, you can use it as a hand sanitizer. <laughs> but we the the ability to talk to our pharmacists and we had to change that uh, that conversation. We've had good folks like Representative Labar, Bernard Labar, who's been uh, in the legislature. He was term limited in the House of Representatives. Having he and Senator Mills in that one two punch that we had there uh, was certainly a benefit. But we had to change the conversation to make certain that this is not about protecting a pharmacy business. The pharmacist business is not a retailer. He is a healthcare provider. And this is about 
patients having access to prescription drug healthcare. This is about the pharmacist being the most accessible healthcare provider. No appointment necessary, just walk right in and talk to him. You know, so we've had these different points that we need to um, encourage folks to make. We have four years per term for each of our members of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and they are limited to three four-year terms. So we do quite a bit of work encouraging our pharmacists to reach out and identify yourself to your legislator. Make yourself a resource for them and working to pair and partner our pharmacists with a legislator there. And we have 139 members of our legislature, uh, 144 members of our legislature, 39 are in the Senate and 105 in the House of Representatives. We have 425 independent pharmacies in the state, uh, about 365 or so are members of our association. But I, I will tell you something that we're working on and we're here in the office. I've been able to hire some additional staff uh, think about this. One of the things that we are now doing today is there are 999 nursing homes, assisted living facilities, adult residential care, ICFDDs in Louisiana. Um, our state, like a number of other states, partnered in the federal program and pulled in CVS and Walgreens to do those COVID vaccines for them at the uh, beginning of the year we were able to demonstrate that we could come in and do that more efficiently. Our association has now a contract with the Department of Health, working with a group of pharmacies that are Louisiana-based that are nursing home pharmacies also. And we are working through partnering a Louisiana brick and mortar pharmacy with every one of those nursing homes, long-term care, ICFDD, uh, skilled nursing facilities, adult residential care, so we're working to do that for the booster shots that those folks need, uh, for completing the second dose shots, for giving those dosages of the COVID vaccine to the uh, uh, to the workforce that they have there, the employees, but also turning that on as it while we're there, do you need the flu vaccine? Do you need the shingles vaccine? And that pharmacist showing that they are accessible and very accessible. Uh, we we do a newsletter and our newsletter just went out a few minutes ago. Um, we do a newsletter that goes to our membership and to other folks that have an interest every Friday afternoon. We communicate with our members every day with providing news clips for a variety of different things from around the state by email to them Monday through Friday on Thursday night or Friday morning, depending on when it comes in. We, um, we have a, a Louisiana political gossip sheet that's uh, called the, the Political Facts Weekly, I think, and um, we've been subscribing to it with the uh, with the permission with that subscription to pass it on to all of our pharmacists around the state. So, you know, I'm from Louisiana. Politics is something that we have. We have F SEC football and politics. They are both contact sports, and. Uh, so, you know, we want to do whatever we can to help you, to help PUT, because there is great, great value in what we've done with getting those pharmacists to work together as an association to get the state legislature to pass. We need to all work together through PUT and your organizations to get our states to pass legislation. We can then go to Congress and say they need to pass because this is coming up, rising up from the states. Is anybody yeah. else ready to pick up a Bible and follow along with these guys? <laughs> Randall, I was going to say, you did you like look at my notes? You took about ninety percent of my notes there. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's it's been a it's been a great conference, uh, and, and I don't know if you can see, I'm, I'm I've been in my office all day, so yeah. Um, but you know, it is our office, and there is a cocktail bar at the front, so I'm going to drink <laughs> just as it should. Can can I actually expand on what, one of the things he said? So uh, you know. One of the things that I, I want to emphasize is that language matters a lot. Um, one of the things that he mentioned, these you know, pharmacists are healthcare providers. That is another thing that we try to hammer hard into our members. There's been so many meetings that I've been a part of where somebody is talking and they say, well, I went to the doctor to get my prescription and I have to stop them. And I said, oh, you mean physician? And they look at me all weird and confused. And like, yeah, that's, that's what I said. I said, no, you said doctor. See, 
pharmacists, if you have a PharmD degree, the D stands for doctor. And that is something that pharmacists, I think, should do a much better job. We're trying to do this in California, is to respect your own title, respect your own profession. You cannot, one of the reasons, you know, that physicians, nurses have so much power politically, they believe in their own profession. Everywhere you go, everyone knows what a nurse is. Everyone knows what a physician is. But not many people know what pharmacists do other than count pills. And so that kind of respect is something that needs to change in pharmacy. When you are uh, having a, a conversation with somebody and they mention the word doctor, stop them and say, you mean physician. And get them to start saying the word physician because it respects your profession. I just wanted to add that note. In. And, you know, and I would add uh, sort of to what you're saying, I think there's merit in that because, you know, uh, I've lost friendships. People who are, say things like, well, don't pharmacists just count pills? Why are they, why do they even go to college? It's like, what? These yeah. people are doctors. My God, what even, do you think they do? I can't even <laughs> but, count. So that's just... Yeah. So, and you see, you see, that's why we have machines because of people like Scott, but don't let that get out of this room. Um yeah, I mean, I think I think there's something to that. And I, you know, I think collectively we should and could be taking back uh, the profession. But I would also like to say, and I say this frequently, if you've ever had a thought like, oh, we let this happen to ourselves, I'm just here to remind you, you did not do that. What has happened for a long, long time is there's been a slow commoditization of the healthcare industry and pharmacy is an easy target for that. Every time you walk into a Walgreens, you're walking into a retail store and all the way in the back is the place you pick up your prescriptions. And those guys are, you know, I, I genuinely, back in the days before I knew about independent pharmacy and I would go to a CVS and get my prescriptions, I would just sit there and think, man, these people went to school and they're ringing up, you know, paper towels and beer and these prescriptions and that's just got to suck, you know? Yeah. Um, so yes, we do need to take that back, but getting back on topic about effective member engagement, because we're going to, we're kind of reaching that point where it is cocktail hour. And I'm glad to hear Randall validate that cocktails are part of a good association engagement strategy, or maybe it's just necessary because you spend so much time talking about PBMs. It's better than jumping off a bridge. I'm now going to turn to Scott that was because I mentioned jumping off a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> No, not, that I've been there, not, not going to ask you for your strategy for avoiding <laughs> that. No. So you mentioned something earlier that um, I kind of captured my mind and I wanted to ask you a question from a different perspective as a member. So you mentioned being on the search committee that found Christina, right? As a member, what are the kinds of um, messages or opportunities or invitations that you've seen coming from Christina that have made you and other people want to jump in and participate. And I mean this besides yeah. just the fact that you should, because as Randall taught me, get into politics or get out of pharmacy, right? So there's that, but yeah, what are the compelling have, like, for invitations? For me personally, I, 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 and I can take some guesses on others, but you know, I, I, I know you, most of you, if you've ever heard me on a podcast, I've probably said more than once. So you either have to put in your sweat equity or your real equity but you can't do neither. You have to do one or the other. And that's, that was the reason why I became so involved in at the levels that I have with this, within VPHA and then within this organization was I didn't have any money, but I had time, you know, I don't know what everybody else's excuses are. I, I think we should probably invite them and ask them, why aren't you joining? Why haven't you joined? I can guarantee you most of those responses are going to be either outdated or, um, a crutch of some sort or, or an excuse. And it usually has something to do with the past of the organization and how they've never done anything for me personally. You know, if you're in, if you're joining an organization because you need to get something personally out of it, you're kind of missing the point of joining an organization with a large membership, you know, you're, you're there to, for the collective and not necessarily as an individual, but you can obviously have some individual uh, take some individual, um, you know, uh, what was the word I was looking for? You, you, you get, you get, you get, what have they done for me? Well, as an organization, they've actually, um, done for me is given me a place to, you know, push some of this frustration and anger and, 
you know, out of control feeling this, that I don't have a grip on how things are going to give me a little bit of semblance of control. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's where I come from. Gotcha. But the excuses I'm sure are abundant when I have people who I ask why they haven't joined an organization, it's usually because, you know, back in 1983, they, you know, passed a, a bill that I didn't agree with. You know? Okay. Yeah. Well, why don't we, we have a couple minutes before we are going to end this. Um, what are your excuses, guys? <laughs> or maybe another way to ask this would be, what kinds of invitations entice you to participate with your association? So I just, I'd love some feedback. And I'm, I will say, I just got to acknowledge, if you're sitting here in this room or you are online, I already know you are a participator. So I'm not necessarily saying like, what are your excuses for not participating? But for someone, again, remember, new new association person over here, I've learned I've got to have credibility, I need to have interpersonal relationships and I need a train of vodka. I think I, I picked up from LIPA. Uh, prescription. What's that? Prescription. Prescription. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of invitation should we be issuing? So someone, someone tell me, I'm going to run over you and give you a microphone, but, but someone tell me what invitations either turn you on or turn you off. Just chime in really, really quickly. And you know, th- th- this isn't necessarily an invitation, but you know, when you look at even the folks that you've assembled, right? You know, like Randall, what Randall fights, right? Like that organization, you know, that organization goes for it, and and and, and Deborah and and California and and Putt and right? Georgia, Putts yeah. are relatively right. I mean, but but I mean, you guys fight, you go for it, and I think ultimately. There's no, you can come up with as many brochures as you can, right? And you can do the the Facebook ads and you can have, right? But if if you fight hard for the profession and you're passionate about it, I think I think people will follow. And I think that message resonates. And not only does that lead to members, but it leads to engagement, right? When folks know that you're putting it on the line and you're being aggressive, you think when Randall does a call to action. You think he's not getting a couple hundred pharmacists <laughs> responding with within an hour? Because I'll, I'll bet you he is. Then California, you know, I, I, yeah. I, to me, folks can no matter what the marketing pitch is, folks can tell if if you're on the front lines fighting for their profession. And I think the group that you've assembled clearly is, and I think that that's a testament to that. That's awesome. Thank when you. Greg. When you don't have to justify what you're doing every day, I think that that's your credibility. Yeah. Like I, I don't respond to people like, well, you know, that, that law that I didn't have anything to do with that you guys had passed. It doesn't really help me. I'm like, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we actually have sitting in the audience, another association founder over here. Deb uh, is the founder of the Minnesota Indies, the Mindies. And, you know, you put together a coalition. So I've got five, but you've got like a hundred. 108, 108. And, and, and they got together and, and they started moving and, and I think that's a testament to you because you have gotten in the fight. Oh, and the, oh, 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 right, right, right. Sorry. Somebody's, somebody, somebody, hold on. Somebody other, needs a microphone. There's this other little group. They're, you know, just this little 1400 member group. Uh, they're a, uh, small business 50. pharmacies. We have at least 50. So Deb totally beats me, but we did start SPAR a couple of years ago. And we, we've been Buttering with spar and it's, it's ongoing. It's but anyway, you might do the same thing. You might be better. I just had to do that because we're in Florida. I think, I think yes, yes, definitely. Okay, so no uh, disrespect to our home state. I, I Dawn is amazing. She is. Uh, I think she's the the. I think of her as like the you know the secret weapon for putt. Uh, but yes, I mean, the Small Business Pharmacies Aligned for from SPAR, I think the most perfect name ever for an association. This is a group of fighters, you know. So so I, I've always sort of jokingly said about New York, uh, are, they have lots of chapters, right? But the thing I love about them is that when you think pharmacist, you probably think some docile person in a white coat who smiles and answers your questions. But the New York pharmacists, they look like they're going to kneecap you. <laughs> you. You just go, you look at them the wrong way. You don't pass that bill. You better watch out when you're walking in an alley in New York City. They take this seriously. And I would say in Florida's very special way, what's that woman from Tiger King who fed her oh, husband Carol. to the, yeah, Carol. I said like spars, oh, like the yeah. pharmacy version of that gal might find a legislator fed to a, yeah. you know, gator or a tiger or something along the way. So watch out Florida. And it's going to be your year, by the way, 
I have a very good feeling it's going to be your year. So why don't we have all of our panelists just let, let's have uh, some closing words. It's something we typically do in our podcast. So we uh, usually ask our guests to, you know, just give some advice. And I, since we're talking about engagement and participation, um, maybe just a, a quick word of advice on, and, and I want to look at it from this way, when it looks like there's no engagement going on, what's your advice? Well, when there's no engagement and, and you know, any legislature in the, in the nation, they'll just start acting on their own because somebody, somebody's talking to them, right? Somebody's telling them something. And if you're not engaged, they're going to believe whatever somebody's telling them. And it may not be exactly what, what you want. Um, I will also quickly say that I, I, I do lament the fact that it seems that pharmacy is so fractured all across the United States. There's, there's so many things. I mean, I don't know if this is just a, a wishful thinking, but I, I hope that at some point pharmacy as a profession comes together um, and, and at some point says, you know what, we're going to stand up and we're going to tug on all these issues um, at once because that's really, I think that the only way that's going to move the entire profession forward is, is coming together. Um, I'm, I love working with, with Monique and, and, and Don and Putt and I, I work with NCPA, I work with APHA as well. Um, I work with Greg. Uh, he actually gave me some advice on, on our steering bill that's on the governor's desk this year. Um, so hopefully he signs that. Um, but I mean, resources, I, I, I feel like sometimes I know it all and then I know nothing. And I, I'm grateful that I'm able to reach out to you guys and, and get that advice. So I love Don, by the way, I love your Twitter account. I wish I could be that, that direct. I can't. What was that? Oh, the... Uh-huh. Oh, hold on. Let me get her the microphone. Uh oh. Okay. And I remember as long as you don't throw anything. Okay. Because we've we've come a long way, but we said, okay, here's the thing, you can't have it kind of both ways. So um if a major chain, three-letter, um, that uh, had a big check to oh, CPHA, yes. not just for a booth at a, at a meeting, yeah. but a, hey, you know, is that something that you'd highly consider, have a discussion about, or? So this is what almost got me mauled by by putting my first year uh, participating in this summit. Monique and I actually had a good laugh over this the other day. You know, there was a conversation of, do we accept money from PBM, or affiliated pharmacies? We used to. Uh, in 2015 was the last time we accepted it. This was prior to me going there. Um, but I, I've always had my personal opinion is that I will take money from whoever, as long as they're fully understanding that I'm going to use that money to advocate against their cause. Uh, if, if that, that three letter, uh, entity wants to give me a million dollars, I'm going to use a million dollars to run PBM reform. And what was that uh, quote that you said? We're going to drink. Their oh, that was, uh, or... that was the quote from former speaker. Oh God, I've. Um, I forgot his name, but uh, he says, uh, if you can, if you can, I can take their money, drink their whiskey, blank their women and still vote against you. You belong in politics. So, that's, you know, we were all like, whoa, that California guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised I was invited back. <laughs> oh, we, we like a diversity of opinions and, and listen, we're right with you on the United. I mean, it's not an accident that our name is pharmacist yeah. United for truth and transparency. Cause it, it is a big, to have a handful of PBMs have the kind of you know, power and revenue generation that outstrips the Department of Defense nearly, yeah. you know, that we, we got to be doing this together. We ain't going to get nothing yeah. done. Um, okay. So Deb, on the matter of non-engagement uh, or keeping, keeping morale up even, what is your advice for everybody? So I think my advice would be that, um, you know, right now we do have a lot of good engagement. And so we want to make sure that we are passing laws that, um, are going to be helpful and and also not we're not we're trying not to be afraid of lawsuits and so um, I think that one of the things that we've done that I think is going to help contribute to our engagement and keep it going is that we are continuing to fight we did start a legal defense fund so that if we do have to go to court we're going to be ready and then uh, the other thing is um, we are spending more money now engaging uh, legal counsel that have a really good background on federal PBM legislation so that they we can 
really file meaningful legislation instead of filing something that's that's just not going to work. And so I think that I wish that we would have done that at the very beginning. But um, I think it was I think it's helpful to have that so that if you do pass legislation, that everyone will see that you passed something that was meaningful. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Randall, what is your advice for uh, morale or, you know, when you're faced with non-engagement, what should we all do? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, from the association side is, you know, every day, just see what can you do for your membership? Listen to what their problems are and see what you can do. One of the things we've done is we know when a pharmacy gets an audit, and we limit audits in Louisiana to not more uh, than uh, one audit per year. We also limit that you can't do an audit for a period longer than you allow the pharmacy to submit a new or an adjusted claim. But instead of the pharmacist being out there on their own, when an audit comes, we provide legal representation for our pharmacies. So, if, you know, in, in that manner, that's just one tool we have. But if, uh, if you had a PBM going after a particular pharmacy for $5,000 or $8,000, they may not be able to afford the attorney that it would take to help them understand what the audit's about. And they, you know, would, would tend to settle. But if we know that we've got 350 pharmacies that each could be exposed to that audit, of three or five or $10,000, and it gives us the opportunity for from the association to step forward. You know, so let's, let's take what we have with our membership dollars. Our dollars come from uh, until the state contracted with us to do uh, some activity there, and that's a payroll reimbursement. Uh, our dollars came totally from our membership. But uh, as we look at our membership dollars and what we have, Monique, you were good enough to, to be consulting with us, to work with us, to, you know, partner with Putt. You and Scott came down partnering Putt with LIPA there a few weeks ago when we had a, a conference there. And you raised a question about something. And, I, you know, you should go ahead and announce to your leadership that uh, that your request has been granted. And that partnership, uh, we are pleased to, uh, to then offer that to you to let you continue the work that you're doing with Putt. Appreciate that. He's referring to a, a grant request I made for $10,000. So thank you, Randall. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we appreciate that. Thank you so very much. We, we absolutely love working with you and, and we, I would like to actually uh, take a moment to issue an invitation. Uh, you know, Deb, we've admired you from afar and, and OPHA and we, we sort of surreptitiously live through uh, everything you're doing through Oliver. Thank you, Oliver keeps us updated. But, you know, to every association, um, our, we want to work with you. And, you know, we just invite you to, to work with us and to, to unite with us and, and to, as much as we can, be, do information sharing, resource sharing. Uh, we're here to, we're here to assist. We want, we want to win this fight. There's no reason we cannot be successful. And, and now with conversations about monopolies starting to come up, that by, that by the way, make no mistake, that started with you all and that started a few years ago with that gag clause legislation that started to come out. It's that kind of thing. When you start talking to people and you're saying, oh, transaction fees, you mean that thing where I have to pay the payer to get paid? That thing? That's what makes sense. And that's what you all have been doing. So it's happening and we can do it. And I think that would be a good place for us to wrap up this segment, unless there's anything else you'd like to add, Mr. No, I President. Just, I mean, uh, we've always taken this thing. I mean, we have a lot of private conversations, obviously, but you know, we've said it even amongst each other that we're not here to usurp membership or, or replace membership. In fact, um, if we still are, I believe the majority of my board is, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. NCPA members. Yeah. Um, but the you know we're we're here to provide that support. We always encourage people to join their state organizations because that consolidation is absolutely critical. Yes, in order to get things moving, throwing another organization that is asking for membership dues, you know, to compete with something like that is is foolish. And you know, there's only one national organization that really has a problem, you know, uh, with how we do things. Right, right. Yeah. So because, you know, we are we're donation based. So so we call our donors members. But we really believe if you want to get something done, you flood your state association with participation or your independent yeah. association 
with participation. And then at the federal level, you know, we, we, our members are NCPA members. We say, you, you keep doing that. You don't like what's happening there. You get involved and then, and then please join us because what we're doing is the, the street fighting, I guess, part of it. It's not elegantly said, but I think y'all get the point. All right. So I think this is a good time to, to thank our panelists thank you, and to end our, our uh, Friday session of the Putt Summit. Thank you all so very much for being here and participating.